Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. So hello, everybody, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Today is a very special occasion for us because we have our first guest who we will be having a conversation with. So please give a huge welcome to the wonderful Vix Anderton. And Vix is with us from a place that many of us here in Australia (laughs) have been yearning to get back to for the last two and a half years, i.e. she lives in Bali. And so, um, Vix, it would be great to, to find out from your perspective um, who you are, what you do, and why do you live in Bali? Oh, yes. Um, why don't I take this in reverse? Um, I live in Bali because why not? Um, I fell in love with it. I started coming remote working as a freelancer, not being able to afford to kind of go on holiday anywhere. So I was giving the remote remote working thing a go. Loved it. Uh, Met a man here who um, travelled back to London with me in uh, February 2020. Um, Little did we know. (laughs) what was in store um and we got locked down together in London got married and um yeah I think I think like a lot of people through the pandemic right it really focused what I wanted um and so we had the opportunity to come back and yeah Bali is now is now home um because mostly it's sunnier than London (laughs) especially at the moment because I think I saw on the weather report it was going to be a sort of lovely mild 11 degrees max yeah with a little bit of sprinkling the wet stuff that Sarah has been experiencing mostly as well (laughs) it's not beautiful it's very foggy it's it's that kind of late winter cold but not really cold wet but not really wet (laughs) it is a quintessentially British day here in Cambridge today (laughs) nice yeah I mean, to be fair, it's rainy season here, so it has been pouring today, um, but it's definitely warmer. So, um, so yeah, so that's where I live now. Um, I, in terms of what I do, um, I'm a somatic coach. Um, I, authentic, I teach a practice called Authentic Relating. Uh, I love to geek out on cyclical wisdom and helping people work more in, in line with their natural cycles. Um, and I am a recovering perfectionist. Oh, um, I have a feeling that a few of us on this call... <laughs> not, not pointing the finger at myself, of course, um, but I am. <laughs> and some of our listeners might relate to that too. Do you, do you think that many of us actually have some underlying perfectionist traits, even if we don't always admit to them? Yeah, I think so. I guess one of the things I find really interesting when I talk to people is they say, well, I'm not perfect enough <laughs> to be a perfectionist or I'm not achieving enough to be an overachiever. And it's like, it's the irony, <laughs> the irony of this. If only I was a little bit more perfect, then I could be a perfectionist. Um, so yes, I think that's, um, I think a lot of us, I think it's a very natural um, 
coping strategy in the world. And I think particularly, uh, I think those of us of sort of a generation of schooling, you know, always chasing the A and I think it is socialized into us to a, to a greater or lesser um, degree. Um, like I said, what I notice is that a lot of people are very reluctant to admit it. Or people go down the other extreme, they go, I used to be a perfectionist, but I've overcome that. I have defeated that particular demon <laughs> and I am now I am perfect because I defeated my perfectionism. Whereas I very much like to think of myself as a recovering perfectionist because every time I think it's something that I'm starting to get a handle on, it like it pops up like whack-a-mole and like it, it appears in a way like it was um we had a, a it's a national holiday yesterday in Bali called Nyepi, which is a day of silence. Um, and everybody has to stay at home. There's no electricity in a lot of places. They turn the internet off. And um, so I was faced with a day of doing nothing. And I was like, but I have to make my day of nothing purposeful, right? Because I'm going to seem like I'm in this space where everybody's going to be meditating and fasting. And I was like, right, I'm going to do a digital detox. I'll be off screens for 24 hours. And I did. And it was really hard and really great. Um, but I suddenly caught myself like my need to achieve even as I was doing nothing. And it's that like that's wow. like when I noticed like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a pattern that's with me forever. <laughs> we were talking just before this about because um, I followed your blog and, and kind of your journey for the last couple of years. And I remember probably a little egotistically thinking, well, I'm many things, but I'm not a perfectionist. Um, and then you you wrote a fantastic piece on all the different ways that perfectionism can show up. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so so maybe you could just run run people through that. Um, what what should we be looking out for? <laughs> yeah, so I think there are five flavors of perfectionism, and I think it goes way beyond the kind of the stereotypical somebody who's up till two in the morning, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. So I see five flavors. So one is that kind of the overachieving, like as soon as I finish doing one thing, I'm immediately on to the next thing. And I really define my worth by what I'm able to do in the world. See my example from achieving with my day of nothing yesterday. There's the, the kind of the, the control freaks. Um, and again, like this is partly me, the kind of... Um, can't leave anything to chance like I have to have a grip of the steering wheel and if I am not directing things then things are clearly going to fall apart you know at the extreme it's like if I don't get up in the morning then clearly the sun is not going to, to rise the earth will not continue to spin and life as we know it will come to a complete and utter disastrous end okay there's the control things <laughs> and I'm playing these up a little yeah. bit for kind of a comic effect but hopefully people are recognizing themselves here so the overachiever the control freak um the overthinker so those people who are kind of like paralyzed by uh, analysis, like if I, if I could only just get one more piece of information, if I do a little bit more research, then then I will find the right answer. OK, and there is a right answer there. Um, if only I could study hard enough or learn enough or get the right piece of research. Yeah. Um, there's the people pleasing aspect of perfectionism, which I found quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I think that so I started to notice this with people, um, a friend of mine coming away from a conversation saying, was that OK? Did I did I did I say anything wrong there? Did I did I upset you? And I was like, wow. Yeah. Not even be able to relax into like a friendship for fear of upsetting the other person and kind of needing to manage other people's experiences. Like, so everybody else is having a good time. Then I can relax because then nobody will notice that I'm 
maybe perhaps a little bit messy and human over here because everybody else is good. Uh, and then the final one is the procrastinator. So again, I find this one really interesting because I think a lot of people identify the sort of the overachieving and the getting stuff done as perfectionism. What I'm seeing from a lot of people is it's like I need all the conditions to be right before I can even start. Um, and we'll totally kind of get caught up in um you know, organizing their workspace or I need to have exactly the right kind of pen or, um, yeah, everything, you know, I need to have all the right signs from the universe in order to be able to proceed forward. And it kind of get, getting caught up in this procrastination, um, obviously because it's, you know, I'm worried about it not being perfect at the end. And this is the place that I can control. So those are the five flavors. I think they all come, I think what they have in common is that they're all a defensive strategy. So Brene Brown has this beautiful definition definition of perfectionism that it's a 20-ton shield that we carry around in order to protect ourselves but all it really does is it stops us being seen um, and I think ultimately that's what a lot of us crave so it's this defensive strategy that I think in the root of it is some kind of story of I'm not enough like I need to prove myself in order to win love um, if only I were you know, skinnier, prettier, more intelligent, more spiritual, um, a better friend, then my life would be complete and everything would be fine. So, Vix, a question for you. Um, you've just described <laughs> five aspects of my personality. <laughs> Is there any hope for some of us who might use all of these procrastinating um, perfectionist types of thing? Um is there any hope for us or are we doomed to carrying our 20 tons of shield around forever? Yes, there is hope for us and we're not doomed. So I very much believe that these are adaptive strategies. You know, our bodies are so intelligent and we learn to do things because they're useful to us. Not one of us has been carrying around this shield because it's whole, it, it's been um you know, been uh, like disabling us for most of our lives, right? We've been using it because it's worked for us. It's given us advantage. And you know, for me, for one, I've done a lot of incredible things in my life as a perfectionist, lugging around this shield. What I'm noticing now is I start to like learn to put it down and start to let people in and be okay with like my own messiness and imperfection. It's like, I just, I don't need to effort quite as much. And, and, you know, this is why I sort of talk about this idea of recovering from perfectionism or, you know, it's not something that it's, we're not broken. It's not something there to be fixed. And actually thinking that we're broken and if only we fix that is perfectionist thinking at play. So for me, it's about how we change our relationship with our perfectionism. How do we, you know, tap back into its strengths and, yeah, and learn to allow ourselves to be a little bit more vulnerable and to be messy, imperfect human beings um, and to allow ourselves to have that full range of, of human experience rather than saying, oh, no, I have to be, I have to fit into this little box in order to, um, to win affection, to succeed, you know, to do whatever it is I want to do in life. I love that because we were talking about this in terms of guilt last week, weren't we, Jenny? And, uh, and Vix, that's, you know, just to kind of allow, it's an and, right? Yeah, and I have perfectionist tendencies, right? And that's okay. I don't, that's not something else that you have to fight is so powerful. Um, or definitely for me in terms of being able to move forward with things. 
um, that, yeah, that just that acknowledgement and, and, and stepping into it. Um, wow. So you do a lot of work on authentic relating, which um, is so beautiful. But for anyone who maybe hasn't come across that term before, can you tell us about that and how that plays into the work that you do? Yeah, so authentic relating was my my first kind of embodied practice that really came to me. And when I talk about embodiment like this, it's a practice that helps me see my patterns in play. Um, so it's an awareness building practice. It also then offers me range and choice. So through authentic relating, I can learn new ways of being and have a choice about how I show up in the world. So authentic relating is a collection of tools and practices that ultimately help us build deeper, more trustworthy, nourishing relationships um, in all aspects of our lives. For me, particularly, um, oh, it's done two things. So it's helped me build a, a better relationship with myself um, and started to give me the confidence to, uh, to be vulnerable. You know, I started to have experiences where I could drop the armor for a little bit and I could let people in. And to my, uh, my utter surprise, people wanted more of that. And actually, the more vulnerable that I am and the more human that I am with people, the more they want that rather than the kind of the, the perfect facade that I might have been um, presenting before. Um, so, yeah, it's given me a lot of confidence in, in my external relationships. But has the, I often use the tools in like the relationship with, uh, with myself, so, you know, like being able to welcome everything in my experience. You just talked about the kind of the both and, mm -hmm. like rather than... Um, assuming or shoulding judging my own experience like can I can I notice what it is notice what the stories I have about it is uh I'll start to reveal my experience to myself to own it and then to uh, what is it that I need in in that moment and then um I guess another aspect of authentic relating that I'm really enjoying at the moment is it's all built built on the principle of slowing down it's like can we slow down uh, she says taking a breath because <laughs> when we slow down when I slow down I notice that I am much more able to track what is happening for me in the present moment like I can feel my body I can feel how I'm being impacted by somebody I can feel my body's needs and limitations I can respond to that I can kind of start to inquire as to the deeper levels of what is happening whereas the faster I get and the more that I'm doing and doing and doing um, the the more disconnected I become um, and I start to kind of you know, go on to autopilot and that um, inevitably leads me into a, a not particularly comfortable place. Mm. I, I love what you've just shared there, Vix, because I think there are two aspects which I think are highly relevant to each and every one of us um, in our life, but also in the workplace. And both Sarah and I are both working with, with companies and organisations to help um, bring more happiness to the workplace. And I think building that self-awareness piece on how you can relate to other people is, is absolutely critical, regardless of what your job title is in the organisation, but particularly for the leader, I think. Um, and also, you know, by knowing yourself better, it also allows you to, to get to know others. And, and then what you just said there about that little bit of space between um, yourself and your immediate response when you slow things down. 
it gives you that clarity, which I think is something that many people I'm working with say that they're finding difficult to find at the moment because they've got so much going on, so much on their plate, so many high expectations of themselves or other people have placed on them, ridiculous deadlines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody is sort of able to sort of slow down enough to find that little bit of space. So I'd love to hear from you what you find most helpful for that type of scenario where people would just go, oh, now I feel so much better and now I can actually think. Mm. What would be one one thing that you would help? Yeah, would help I think you just did it, Jenny. Like, as you were describing that, it was like, that'd be, oh, I'm here. <laughs> like the breath, it's it's such an, I mean, in some ways it's such a cliche of kind of, you know, happiness and you know, meditative personal development work these days. But really, um, it, it's so it's so powerful. You know, so Deb Dana, who does some fantastic work on um, polyvagal theory, you know, talks about um, sci as uh, it's a little disrupted to our nervous system. So when we're kind of getting into that hyper arouse, that fight or flight, when things are starting to get overwhelming, the little sigh helps um, kind of disrupt our nervous system and brings us back to a place of kind of nervous system safety. And everything that we know about stress and the nervous system says that when we're activated, when we're stressed, um, in, in sort of layman's terms, we become dumb, conservative and mean. Okay? So we lose IQ points, you know, the blood, our brain prioritizes its survival systems and executive functions, not a survival system. So we've come dumb. We're more conservative, so we're less creative. We're less able to see solutions to problems. We become tunnel focused, you're fixated on the problem. Um, less able to see whatever analogy that you want. So less creative, and we're mean. Like we either like get aggressive towards people, we fight, we push them away, or we withdraw and isolate ourselves, and you know disconnect from the support that's around us. So anything that can help regulate the nervous system and the breath is a really powerful kind of physiological tool to help like, to, to do that. Um, so often, you know, when I'm teaching authentic relating, every now and again, I'll just pause and let's take a breath together. You know, there's also something, there's I think, increasing evidence that's coming out around kind of social co-regulation and the power of breathing together. It's one of the reasons why people enjoy singing in choirs or singing in groups so much is because people's, um, nervous systems their breathing start to regulate they start to breathe at the same time and that's really calming for everybody's system so pause let's take a breath wow what is what's actually happening right here and that's the the thing and the magic i think of of slowing down you know so often i think people think it means like doing less and maybe it does i notice for me actually when i do slow down i'm able to prioritize more and so i do less because actually I'm really able to see like what is the stuff that's going to help me move forward here and what is the stuff that's just a distraction. But it's really, for me, it's an, an embodied sense of slowing down. Like when I'm rushing um, and I'm really in my head and my thoughts are going at hundred miles an hour, I'm thinking the same thought about, you know, like it, it's on a loop. <laughs> I'm not actually doing anything about it. I'm kind of caught in this cycle of, oh my God, I'm really stressed about this. I must do something about it. But oh my God, I'm really stressed and now I can't concentrate, but I'm really stressed and I've got to do something about this. So nothing happens. So if I can actually slow down and catch myself and slow my body down, if I move, physically move more slowly, I'm able to focus and to do the thing that is actually important in that moment. And whether that's attending to a colleague or 
pressing send on that really important email or um you know sometimes it actually the most important thing is for me is to like walk away okay no I'm gonna take a a longer break like that's what I really need here um but that moment of physically slowing my body down taking a breath makes it so small so small it makes such a big difference well even hearing you just describe that has made me feel calm so I just (laughs) love that idea um and and it sounds like you know, it's something that once you've experienced it and, and start to appreciate the full power of that small sigh, that it becomes easier then to sort of remember to do it more often. So it becomes part of what you do automatically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice, practice, practice. You know, most of us are like really practiced at perfectionism or overachieving, or actually most of us are really practiced at being stressed. And so like, we need to build up like the neural pathways, the, the, the muscular habit, the embodiment of doing something different. And that requires deliberate practice. So I distinguish between practice and application. So practice would be, you know, taking five minutes in the morning before you see anybody else practicing, you know, a, a centering technique. So a breathing technique that regulates your nervous system. I do that every day. And I start to do that with a stimulus. So cold showers are really good for this because it stimulates like a physical stress response and then you can practice calming your body down calming your nervous system down through the breath and you can you know gauge how cold you need to have it today <laughs> I was gonna say, you stay. in cold old rainy old England this morning I'm thinking oh yeah I don't even need to get in to feel that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you can like, you can, um, we call it titration. Like you can calibrate where you, yeah. the stimulus that you need in order to be able to practice. And then you have application, which is going off to use it in, in the real world. And, and we need both because practice without application is pointless. And application without practice means we never actually get any better because you can't stop, you know, an argument with your partner halfway through and go, hang on, could you be 20% less annoying right now? Because I really need to practice centering. Okay. But you can make your shower 20% less cold or you know, 20% longer because you have more capacity today. Um, so yeah, so practice deliberately and then you know applying that um, in life. That's brilliant. I love that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. I usually kind of wake up and check in with myself before I get out of bed, but maybe a a lukewarm shower, <laughs> edging towards cold. I love swimming in cold water, but I don't have as much opportunity to do that. So mm. yeah, and and so I know Vix Jenny was talking about. You know, we do a lot of work with organizations, and I know historically you have. You know, your. Uh, in, in a similar vein, you know, quite often I get happiness is fluffy, happiness is this, and then you talk about the, the science behind it. But I know you've got a, a, a an amazing kind of story about how you got to where you are. And I would say not the traditional path that people might expect. <laughs> um, no, no. So I started my career in the Royal Air Force. I spent 10 years um, working in places that most people probably would not want to go to ho- on holiday to. Um, and I loved it until I didn't anymore. Um, a very sort of typical story of kind of leaving corporate, if you like. Um, I went to work in the international development sector, so more time in conflict zones and um, really high stress environments, which 
ultimately burnt me out. And that was the kind of the catalyst for me um, starting to explore. I, I left full-time employment, started to work for myself um, and really jumped on the very cliched archetypical coaching path of um, teaching and exploring what is it that I needed to, to learn. And that's still the, the path that, that I'm on. Um, and yeah, along the way, I've done work on uh, women, peace and security, diversity and inclusion. And um, I, I teach this this kind of work to aid workers before they go to conflict zones. Um, yeah, one of my, my favorite things to do is kind of bridging between different worlds. So, you know, bringing kind of what I know about discipline and leadership and things like that from the military and then bringing like what I now know about kind of embodiment and authenticity and like the the mix of that for me is um is really magic um, but yeah this uh what I do now has come from a lot of hard-fought lessons mm. um yeah I didn't I did <laughs> I did not learn this easily <laughs> um yeah it was actually burning nearly burning out for the second time but really kind of like had me take this really start to sort of take some of this stuff seriously um and even now I can still notice like it's an it has to be an active practice for me. Otherwise, you know, I'd slip back into old patterns because, you know, our brains love to conserve energy and they'll go for the easiest thing that they know. And so, yeah, it's a constant practice of being on like my tender edge. And like, oh, can I, can I lean into this new way of being like a little bit more? And, and one day I hope that it will become my, my kind of dominant way of being. But I, you know, like the perfectionist, the overachiever, that's that's also part of who I am. And you know, she gets to come along too. Nice. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. I was uh, I was doing it on purpose because I thought perhaps um given where we are in the state of the world right now, you might have um, as well as your tips on just pausing and breathing, some tips on how people can help sustain themselves at the moment where the world seems a little scarier and a little more conflicted. Um, yeah, so I think uh, resourcing our nervous systems during these kind of times is so important. Um, so really, I want people to like anything that feels resourcing for them. So the sort of the broad categories are movement like our bodies love to move it it's a really good way of kind of releasing some of the the stress hormones and things um but moving in a way that feels good so dance or trampoline or you know whatever like feels good um time out in nature touch and time with other people um laughter like a good comedy podcast um but i think the important thing is is like a little and a little and often um, so even something really similar you know, it's like listening at the moment is like find something in your room right now that feels nice to look at and you know don't ask your brain like ask your body like have a look around maybe it's out of the window or maybe there's a plant or a picture that you like it doesn't have to make sense but just have a look at it and enjoy it for a moment right? yeah allow your nervous system kind of to be resourced wow that's so that's so simple but so it just feels like it's so effective. Yeah, I think all of the, the all of these things are super simple to do. <laughs> the the trick <laughs> is remembering to do them. Um, and so, you know, when I'm working with clients on this, we'll often spend like quite a lot of time talking about how you're going to remember to do it. So, you know, reminders on your phone, post-it notes. Um, I have one client who had a ritual that she would do something like this every time she walked through a doorway. 
um, you know, making time for it, like building it like explicitly into your schedule. So, you know, it's like I do 10 minutes at the beginning of the day and 10 minutes at the end of the day where I, you know, do something that do something that feels good. Um, and if you need to justify it to yourself, like you're resourcing your nervous system so that you are smarter, more creative and more empathetic. Like those are skills that we all need more of in whatever kind of line of work that we have. Um, so if you want to be kind of like pragmatic about it, there's a legitimate reason for doing it. But it can also do because it feels good. And, and quite frankly, I think mm. we all need more of that in the world. Mm. Thank you. Uh, I would love to talk to you for hours, but I feel like um, we should probably let you. It's your afternoon, both of you ladies. So, uh, um, Jenny, have you got anything else that you wanted to to tease out of Vix's amazing brain before we say goodbye? <laughs> I, I, I'm curious to find out how you work with people, Vix, because it sounds as if you work with some individuals, but maybe you also work with groups and Seeing as what you're where you're located, does that mean that you do it a lot on in the virtual world, or are you able to invite people to your wonderful place of residence mm. where you can actually work very closely with the people to help them, uh, you know, in discovering more about themselves and you know who they are basically. Yeah. So um, my I do a lot of one to one coaching, and the majority of that has been online particularly sort of during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, I work with people one-on-one -on -one in person as well. And then the same with groups. So I'm really fortunate. I've just started teaching regularly here in Bali and I'm uh, just starting to plan my first retreat here for later on in the year. Um, so kind of doing this in person, if anyone wants to come and join me in Bali. Um, and then, yeah, I also kind of facilitate groups online. So um, I have a, a new group program starting uh, on the equinox, actually, um, the, the beginning of spring. Never mind, January is a terrible time to start new things, like March and spring, or, or for those of us in the Southern Hemisphere, um, the autumn is a great time to like get things finished before before the winter kind of kicks in. So yeah, I've got a, a three month kind of, um, it's called the decelerator. Um, so going slow to uh, going slow to get stuff done on a project that matters to you. Um, so yeah, a few different ways that people can can work with me. Love it. And and do you have a website that people can go to 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 connect with you? I do. Or are you on the social media yeah. channels or all of the above? So it's vixanderton.com and vixanderton on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. We'll pop. We'll yeah. pop all the links because I know that I'm. I'm sure, just like me and Jenny, everyone else is going to be checking their calendar and seeing when they can go to Bali. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me know. I'm planning dates at the moment, Ooh, so if I get yes. requests, then... <laughs> I feel like that should be a date, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it could be. I think definitely. Oh, thank you so much, Vix. Thank you for joining us. Is there anything that you wanted to say um, to? to check out with for our listeners hmm. you know what I'd love to take a breath together that would be amazing that's okay with you I was gonna <laughs> ask you to do that and then I thought will that work so I'm very excited that that's um, you feel your feet on the floor notice where your bum is or your body's touching a surface and take an easy breath in finding some length at the back of your body Yeah, that's like a nice way to complete. Beautiful, thank you. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe I got to be your first guest. What a privilege. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do.